Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Schmelk, Datino with you, 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way you can. Thanks for being with us. Giants taking on the Bears in their second preseason game, their second and final home game of the preseason as well, trying to build on their week one victory against the New York Jets. Paul, we haven't been on in a while. A lot of hot gone on this week. How are you? Uh, very well, John. Looking forward to that second game, especially because we really don't know from Coach Shermer how many uh, snaps the starters will play. A lot of speculation around here. Coach saying that he'd like to get all four quarterbacks in like he did last week. But what exactly does that mean? Eli played one series against the Jets, completed one three-yard pass to Scott Simonson, uh, had a three and out on two other running plays, and that was the end of it. And before you know it, it was Daniel Jones' time to play. So I truly have no idea what it means when he says, I want all four guys to play. Yeah, I mean, look, I think all four guys are going to play. I would not expect <laughs> Eli Manning is going to play in game number four. But I, he did say Daniel Jones is going to play in all four preseason games. He did kind of, you know, tip his cap on that. Yes, he did. Over the weekend. Now, how much they're going to play? Yeah. I mean, I think he'd like to get Eli in minimum six plays, maybe get him up to 10, get Daniel Jones around 20, and then split the rest between 10 and 11. Does that sound right to you about? I don't know. That's the problem. Here's the thing. I think Eli... If he, I, it's, a, it's a pure guess. Here's how, here's, how, here's how I think about it. If Eli Manning goes out there, the team goes on a 8-10 to 10 play drive that goes 60-70 to 70 yards he's for done. a field goal or a touchdown, he's done. Over. If he has yes. a successful drive, he's out. Yes. And then I think you'll see Daniel Jones for the rest of the first half. And then the second half will go to Tanny and Loletta. That I would, would be agree my with guess. That. I would agree with that. But, of course, circumstances can alter uh, how the game plays out. I agree with you. I think that would be the best way for it to play out uh, against uh, uh, the Bears. But, but now, how about this? Uh, if the Giants don't go on an eight-play drive to open the game and have Eli lead the team down the field, I would suspect he comes out for a second possession. What do you think about that? I do not believe they will limit him to less than six plays. So, yes, I think he will get a second possession if they get out of there very quickly. Yeah, I mean, see, mm -hmm. David Deal said on the uh, the MSG Giants training camp show last night that we were doing that uh, he believes that the linemen need to get more familiar with Eli's tempo, his cadence, uh, him calling the signals out there during the course of a game. And, you know, it was funny because he wasn't talking about it in a receiver's perspective. We all know that Eli's been throwing to the receivers during the course of training camp, and he certainly had an opportunity to throw to all of them, even Sterling Shepard, who was wearing the yellow jersey. He still throws at the Sterling, even though he's not supposed to. He does. <laughs> so, so I'm not worried about his chemistry with his receivers. But David said that there is a certain rhythm, especially to the cadence in a game that the offensive linemen need to get used to when they fire off the ball. So his take was those linemen need Eli's snaps maybe even more than he does. And I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah, and that was the reason, by the way, he didn't bring Daniel Jones back last week too because he didn't want to reload that offensive line right. group after they were out of the game. Yeah, so I think all the extra time that offensive line gets, gets together, the better. Now, I don't think it's as big of a, of a concern because Remmers and Zeitler are veterans and they've been in the league for so long that you don't worry about that quite as much. But, yeah, it's important. Do you think we're going to see Saquon at all in the final four preseason games? Well, I brought that point up to David Deal as well. I followed up by saying 
look, you're telling me that there's a, a rhythm or a tempo and a flow between the quarterback and the O-line. Fine. But what about Saquon Barkley? Last year, remember, he played the four snaps in the opener, came out with the tweak Tammy. Yep. Right? And obviously, he ran for 1,300 yards during the season. Yeah, it's not bad. So it wasn't like it really screwed him up. However, he's now behind a new starting five, and he has yet to play a snap with those guys under game conditions. So I said to David, well, you're telling me that the offensive linemen need some type of chemistry with the signal caller. Don't they also need to have some chemistry with the running back? And David said to me, he thinks that Barkley spends so much extra time with these linemen during camp. And during practice, he was he was commenting that Barkley a lot of times will go up to the offensive linemen during the practices and will discuss things with them. He thinks that that's enough to get them on the same page, and he does not necessarily need to see Barkley carry the ball during the preseason. Well, I will give you the quote from Barkley himself uh, that he gave to the media when he was asked directly by, I think it was Paul Schwartz, whether or not that he needed to get hit and have contact in order to be ready for the regular season. And this was the and, and this was his answer. He said, I don't think anyone needs to be hit. I think if everyone could choose not to get hit until week one, they would choose that. But you were right. Some people like to get that first contact, like to get that first hit. But for me, I'm the type of player that no matter if it's preseason playoffs or the regular season, once that first play goes and I get hit, I'm fine. That was a, That's what he said. And that's great, but... How do the linemen feel about it? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and that was, you know, and D- David said he just thinks that the communication between Barkley and the linemen is as such. He doesn't think it's going to be a big deal. The only thing that I would say, John, Barkley touched the ball 352 times last year between receiving and rushing. How many times do you think he's going to touch it this year? 370, 375? Yeah, well, I think was I guess me and Lance had this conversation on a show. Maybe you weren't on the show with me. And I came down around 370, 380. I think that's where I I think 360 to 380 is where I kind of landed on it. I figured around 70 catches or so and somewhere between you know 300 and 315 carries. All right. So, if we assume that we're in the ballpark on the touches, is it necessary that he even touches the ball during the preseason? No, probably not. Probably not, right? So I think I'm on your page with that. I think that uh, if he doesn't see any time during the preseason, it's going to be okay, especially since Coach is very interested in the running back depth chart and trying to find out which one of those guys deserve to make the team. The less Barkley touches the ball in the preseason, the more chances those guys get to prove that they belong. Yeah, and I think an underrated, this is one of our factor fiction questions on Giants.com, by the way, is the running back position battle for the backup spots one of the most underrated competitions going on right now on the team? And I think the from my answer was yes, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Especially with Wayne Gallman missing the last two practices with a foot injury, my guess is that he's probably not going to play in this game on Friday night. You're going to see Rod Smith and Paul Perkins and, and John Hilleman to a lesser extent battling for that third running back spot. And quite frankly, am I positive that Wayne Gallman is going to be ahead of Rod Smith on the depth chart come week one? I'm not positive about that. I'm, I, do I think so? Yes. Am I positive? No. Rod Smith's shown me a lot. And I think right now he is in the lead, Paul, in my opinion, for that third running back spot. And I've been wrong on these things before, and maybe I'll be wrong again. 
But I think Paul Perkins is going to have to flash something these last three preseason games, especially after his drop and fumble in week one. Now, he hadn't played football for almost a year and a half in that game. So yes. I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm understanding why maybe there was an issue, right? He didn't help himself. And I think, do you, do you agree with my assessment of that situation right now with, with Perkins and Smith? Right now, I agree with you. Now, going into the game last week, I didn't agree with you. I thought that Perkins has had a marvelous training camp. But then what does he do in the game? And we all know the game grade is going to be weighted heavier than the practice grades. The fumble and the drop pass, and he also had a really poor blitz pickup where he just got run over. That does not help, and that's supposed to be something he's good at. We saw him do it as a rookie, but then in the game the other night, he had one good blitz pickup and another one where he just didn't get it done. Yeah, see, I like Rod Smith. He's a bigger guy. He's a power back. I think he'd be a good guy if you want to use in third and short situations or goal line situations. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. In a pinch, he can play fullback for you. If, if everything goes wrong and Elijah Penny goes down in the game, you need him back there. They actually ran a two-back set with him and Perkins in practice. Mm-hmm. I think it was on Sunday, and Smith was a lead blocker for Perkins on the play out of shotgun. They both kind of went on each side of Daniel Jones on the play. I think Rod Smith's going to have a valuable role on this team. That, that's my feel for it. I think right now it, I would lean that that's the way it's going to go as we stand here today. Three more preseason games to change everybody's mind and opinions, but that's why they have another three weeks to go. How secure do you think Gallman is in the number two spot? I think if he gets healthy and plays in the final two preseason games, he's going to be okay. But if this foot injury... Lingers and, and, and feet are tricky for skill position guys. Very tricky. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw battled that kind of situation for well, years. Akeem Nick, same deal. Akeem Nick, same thing. You're right. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think Goldman, talent-wise, deserves to be the number two. But if he doesn't have the availability to be the number two, that is going to severely damage his ability to stay on the 53. Look. I don't think it's out of the question. And again, we're being hypothetical, folks. We were told it was a minor foot thing, but he missed time this week at practice. Yeah. Okay. The impression is that it's not going to be a long-term situation. It's not. Yeah. It Correct. doesn't appear that way. Correct. But hypothetically speaking, he's not in a position where a, a an aggravation of his injury is is going to allow him to be safe. He's just not. And I want to talk about one other injured guy too. Well, I, before oh, you do that, yeah, before you do I'm that. sorry. Well, because the same position, Hilleman. Mm-hmm was uh, concussed in the Jets game, was in the protocol for a couple of days, and then came back to practice the other day. Yeah, I think he practiced the last two days, if he I'm did. not mistaken. He did. Right? Yeah. And so, okay. just want to mention that, folks, because for no, those of you call. who were not keeping track, mm-hmm. remember he got jarred on the Giants' sideline and was slow getting up and had to go to the locker room. Yeah, he had to set on the turf after getting tackled. That's right. what happened on the play. So, good for him that the, the Rutgers product is healthy and back at practice, and I'm sure we'll see him, maybe even a lot of him in this game, as he tries to sneak onto the team. The other guy I want to talk about a little bit, and this is going to be related to to the way they're handling Darius Slayton, who the Giants' fifth-round wide receiver in the 2019 NFL Draft was back on the practice field this week, but his reps are limited, Mm -hmm. and wisely returning from a hamstring injury with a guy that relies on his speed, they're taking it slow. So I think we'd both be very surprised if he is back on the field and doing stuff in the game on Friday. Kurt, Coach Shermer said as much that that seemed to be doubtful. But hopefully the last two preseason games he'll be able to play. And that brings me to the guy that I want to talk about in Sam Beal, who has not done anything with the team, really, since he started missing practice at the very end of July with a groin slash hamstring. I think they're just calling it a hamstring at this point. Do you think he even get on the field right now for preseason game number three? 
He better. But if they work him back slowly the way they did Slayton, we're looking at one game for him at this point, well, John, right? John, for the last week, he's been doing backpedaling and high-stepping. On the side, though. Doing a lot of stuff on the side with the trainers. Looking really spry, if you don't mind me saying so. But we saw Slayton. But he's not on the field. Right, and we saw Slayton, even before he started practicing, at least mingling with his group. During yeah. team, Beal has not been. We have not. I don't, at least I haven't seen that no, from Beal yet. No, no, he's not. Right. Here's my thing for Beal. There's no way they're going to get rid of him. Oh no, I wasn't implying so, that at all. Right. So, so if he can't get on the field for at least one and maybe two preseason games, you may be looking at an IR candidate. Because they're not going to cut him, John. No, but I'm debating no way. whether or not. An injury like that, you're going to want to put them on ice for eight weeks. Well, here's the problem. The Giants are not in a position where they can afford to give him one of the 53. If he's not ready. What if he only played? What if he's ready to play in the fourth preseason game? And he gives you three good quarters. Not only does he have to prove that, then you have to worry about the next 48 hours and find out how he feels after the game. And they'll only have about 48 hours before final cuts Correct. have to be in. So that's a really, really mm-hmm. fine line well, between IR and 53. Oh, that's why I asked the question. I didn't ask you because it was easy. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I appreciate you putting me on the spot, but that's why I don't get paid as a GM. No, no, it, it's tough. Because I was thinking about that, too. And it, it, when you're the sixth or seventh DB on the roster and going through it with me, I think the Giants might end up keeping 11 safety slash corners when you look at all the talent at the position. It wouldn't surprise me, given how many of those guys play special teams, that last guy has to be able to play specials. You know, can you have this guy in the roster? How much special team stuff has he done? You know, that's not probably not something he did much in college. So it's 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 a it's gonna be he has to get back on the field. And I think that's really the simple thing. He needs to be practice when the Giants hit the practice field on Sunday, he better be doing something out there during team drills. I think that's very important. With no question. It's important for him. At least I, be doing individual at that point. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you a scenario. You tried to give me one. I'm going to give yeah. you one. And then we'll get to your calls, by the way. Sponsored by Coors Light at 201-939-4513. I would suspect the final defensive back spot on the 53 right now mm-hmm. comes down to Antonio Hamilton or Beal, depending upon if Beal's going to be on the 53 or he's going to wind up on the IR. If he goes to the IR, that leaves a spot open for Hamilton. If he doesn't go to the IR, I don't know that Hamilton can squeeze his way onto the 53, despite being a terrific special teams guy and actually getting some first-team reps this week in practice. I think he's the guy right now who is on the bubble, and his fate may be determined more by what happens to Beal than what he does. I have both on right now. Do you? I have seven corners and four safeties. I have Sean Chandler as the fourth safety. I think they've I've seen them use Chandler in enough spots or I'm pretty confident that they like what he's done out there. See, the thing the thing with the safety spot, if Thomas is the third safety and they like Julian Love and his ability to play safety, he can be a swing guy and actually be the fourth in a pinch or maybe he could even be the third if you wanted him to. You're 100% correct about that. So, that would alleviate having to keep Chandler if for some reason you decided you wanted to keep an extra corner instead of the extra safety. 
I'm probably a little bit short on the defensive line. I'm only I only have six defensive linemen. Oh, my see, that's six, where we really differ. my six defensive linemen right now are Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, Olson Pierre, R.J. McIntosh, and John Jenkins. Those are my six. Yeah, and you're going with how many backers? I have four edge players and four inside linebackers. Hmm. See, now here's the thing. And I and I even I have twenty five offensive players, twenty five defensive players, and then I have the three specialists. The front seven, which as you know, is a Gettleman staple, especially the hog mollies up on the front line. Correct. It's going to pain him greatly if he winds up skimping at that spot. See, here's the thing though. They're in sub-package so much, in which case those outside linebackers convert to virtual defensive ends. I don't mind going a little bit short on straight defensive linemen because I feel like in nickel, Marcus Golden's a virtual DN. Zimenez is a virtual DN. Okay. Carter, Martin, and, and that's kind of how I kind of look at it. So you don't have Chris Slayton on your team? I was, I'm down to him and Jenkins for my last defensive lineman. Okay, and you don't have linebacker Jonathan Anderson, who actually played well the no, other night I have, on the team? I have him as one of my inside linebackers. Oh, you do? I do, do. He's my fourth you, inside linebacker. You have Goodson being sliced, don't he you? He is my—yes, I was. Yes, I do. Okay. Based on what I've seen in practice, so, and you, know, you, you have to do some surprises with these. And that Understandable. Would, and that would be one of my surprises I, I, currently. I have not. I will tell you, I did a 53 at the beginning of training camp as, I did a, this, as a preliminary. I did this yesterday for fun. Okay. And, and I wasn't even planning on bringing it up today either, by the way, but I figured what the That's heck. fine. I don't do another 53 until the final preseason game. Right. I don't do one midway through the... Uh, the, the, the preseason schedule. I understand. So I can't compare notes with you on this. Right. But there are certainly guys who are, quote, bubble guys for me that I'm looking at who I think will be on the edge and the periphery. I mean, I will tell you this. I'll give you, you know, you want to talk about guys, you know, with, with big ups right now, the, the comers, if you will. T.J. Jones at wide receiver is probably going to be on this 53. Well, and he's going to benefit from Golden Tate suspension. And you know what? There's a good chance that even if Tate comes back after those four weeks, that uh, T.J. Jones is going to stick. That's true. I agree. And if you asked me two weeks ago if T.J. Jones has even a lottery chance of staying on the 53, I would have said to you no. I'm with you. The reason I did this now, I felt like as we go along, it's easier for me to just track changes on this document. (laughs) No, I'm serious. So I have all the guys written down. I have right now about, I feel really good about 43 of the 53 guys. Maybe there's like eight to ten spots where I'm like, all right, I still okay. think these things can can still be decided in, in the final few weeks. Anyway, do you want to do some phone calls? Let's go. 201-939-4513. Thank you for being patient. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that chat about the final roster. Uh, again, 201-939-4513. It's presented by Coors Light. Let's go to Marco in Connecticut who will lead us off. Marco, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Hi. Doing great. That's good conversation there about the, about the roster. Um John, did you have Garrett Dickerson on your 53-man? Uh, I do not. Nor do I. You do not. I do Nor do not. I. I have three tight ends. I didn't have him at oh, the beginning, and I'm not going to have him at the end of the preseason either. It would take a remarkable uh, surge for him and a drop for somebody like C.J. Conrad, not for Conrad to make it. Yeah, Marco, the, <laughs> problem, the problem with Dickerson, Marco, is that he's like an H-back type move mm-hmm. tight end mm-hmm. and he yep. just doesn't give you enough as a blocker to be that third or fourth tight end on the roster. Un- under- understood. Um, 
I was assuming you guys were taking four. That's why I asked about him. And um, what about Elijah Penny? I have him on right now. My sense okay. is my okay. sense is that Pat Shermer wants a real fullback on this roster. At the beginning okay. of camp, I had him on. I'm not sure where I stand on that right now. Okay. I think he wants a fullback. The problem is he may not have the luxury to be able to keep him. Right, right. Okay, so just a comment about the tight ends, and then I have a question about Ryan Connolly. Um, the tight ends, I, I, you know, I was looking around the league at, at like different rosters. I'm getting ready for um, the fantasy football season, and there's a lot of breakdowns of rosters. Now, Paul's it's excited for that too. To Paul, I know. Then Paul's my go-to guy when we talk fantasy. Um, no, no, come on. Let's oh be my uh, goodness! No, no. Um, Should we hang up on wanted... you now? <laughs> no. Go ahead. But, uh, so uh, no, but you're looking around, looking around that rosters. You start really looking back at the Giants, and like the Giants have done a real solid job at bringing in tight ends to both the team and around the league. So guys like Xavier Grimble are mm-hmm. actually going to contribute. And Matt Lacoste, obviously, is going to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, in, I'm excited about, the, about Conrad here and how that position is going to shape out. Um, that's my comment. Here's the question about Connolly. So I remember, I think it was like last year, or maybe it was last year, I called up about B.J. Goodson, maybe two years ago, B.J. Goodson. I said, hey, how does B.J. Goodson differ for many of the other linebackers that we've taken over the years, Greg Jones, Philip Dillard, John Goff, I'm like these. It's like we, 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 we. I don't know. We, we're we're not able to truly draft someone in these mid rounds and develop them. And now Connolly comes around, and we're already thinking about maybe Goodson's not going to make the roster, which I agree with you. So tell me about Connolly. Why? Who did he remind you of? First of all, and it could be a guy, maybe, maybe on the roster. Or maybe it's someone around the league that you've seen. Does he does he stick hmm. out to you? Um, and and also, I'm hearing that he actually play. And this, I could be wrong, but does he play the same position as Ogletree? Because I'm confused about the two middle linebackers. How do they differ from one another Con- in the uh, yeah in you the have, three four? Yeah, you you have a Mike linebacker, and then you have the other inside linebacker. So Connolly is considered a Mike, which is what Ogletree is. I, mm-hmm. For the life of me, I can't remember the the term that the that Betcher uses for the second linebacker. I will check on that. I, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, Connolly is the Mike. He ran. He was the Mike with the second unit uh, before Ogletree got hurt. And now I actually talked to Tay Davis about this the other day, and I said, when Connolly comes in, which one of you guys is getting the plays? And it's Connolly. He's the one that has the the, right. the voice coming in his helmet. He's oh, wow. the one that's calling the plays in the huddle. And the difference for me, Marco, all those other linebackers you mentioned, they were run first. Stop the run, guys. Correct. And I feel like Connolly is a far better athlete than any of the other guys you mentioned, which are strictly downhill, base defense, stop the run type of linebackers. Connolly okay. can move. He made two really good plays on outside runs in that first preseason game against the Jets. He didn't make the tackles on the play, but he just rec- maybe recklessly is uh, the wrong word, but he plows into two offensive linemen on each play occupies blockers and allows other defensive backs to come in and make the tackle. So he's aggressive. He's got good instincts. He's faster than those guys. And that's why I think you should have a little bit better hope for him than some of those other inside linebackers that have been drafted over the past five or six years. He does seem to have a lot more range. uh, Range is a good word. When he's going horizontal or vertical, coming downhill. Now, the backpedal stuff, look, 
he he was known as an athletic linebacker at Wisconsin, and they were not afraid mm-hmm. to have him cover people. With the Giants, my only concern for him is the sturdiness of him. Uh, let me rephrase a little bit. If you're going to be caught between the tackles and you've got a 330-pound guard that's going to get to the second level yeah, that's not his thing. and plow into you, yeah. uh, Connolly, to me, is going to have a really hard time taking that black on and winning the battle. He's only 236. That's I mean, a problem. You know, some of these inside linebackers are 250. He's only 235. So, John, he was 215, I believe, in college. At one point. Well, yeah, not as a senior, obviously. No, no, right, but right. he, and so, you know, he's a blown up, he's a blown up inside linebacker. But, Paul, that's what these linebackers I are know, now. I know, I know, and you know what? The more and more the better teams rediscover their power running game, you know, and obviously the, the Cowboys have that with Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, let's not make any mistake about that. If he ever shows up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but the point being, against those power teams, you know, Connolly, unless he is able to get around the laundry or unless he's able to add some power that he's going to be able to at least compete against those blockers, it's going mm-hmm. to be a problem for him. Because if I'm an offensive coordinator, you know what I'm doing? I'm telling my guys, when you get to the second level, just make sure you put a hat on that kid and he's going to be taken right out of the play. Yeah. Well, the key is yeah. getting a hat on him, which sometimes isn't right. easy depending on who you are. Right. I mean, but, again, he's got athleticism and range. I think he's a legit prospect. I think in the proper role in the Giants scheme, there are things he's going to be able to do. Do you think he's built much differently than a Sean Lee? I'm not telling you he's the, that, that caliber of player, but is he built differently physically than Sean Lee? Now, Sean Lee couldn't stay healthy. So that's the argument you make in return for that. Maybe that's why he couldn't stay healthy because he's not big enough. Well, but Sean Lee took a pounding. Right. Took a pounding. And Connolly's going to take a pounding if he gets a lot of snaps. And the question will be, how does his body hold up? Here, here's the point. My final point to you, Marco. I know you want to you finish up. Yeah. There are players who play bigger than their frame allows. Right. John Beeson was one of those guys. Luke Heakley's under 240. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another one. Years ago, you remember Nick Grison, Giants linebacker? Oh, yeah. yeah. Constantly hurt. He played the game bigger than his frame and his body would allow. Consequently, he was always hurt. Great guy. Really good hard-nosed football player. But his body was not able to cast the check that his heart and his mind wanted to play. That's going to be my question for Connolly. I like him as a football player. He's athletic. He's productive. He's smart. In the right role, if he can stay healthy and avoid this, this issue that I'm talking about, he could be a good player for the Giants and a productive player. Finish up. Okay, so Sean, Sean, Lee, was, Sean Lee was the guy I was thinking of, actually. Um, so um, Connolly played well in the first game. He's going to play a lot more in the second game. Do you think there's any way at all that Ogletree could be on the bubble? No, I do not. Okay. I think asking that from a fourth-round pick or fifth-round pick, right? Fifth. Fifth-round pick this early in his career to replace a guy like Ogletree, it's probably mm-hmm. asking a little bit. And he's also uh, the I heart agree. and soul uh, Thank of you, Marco. D. There's Appreciate no way Ogletree's going anywhere. You know, Bet Betcher is very, very pleased with Ogletree's mentality out there and the way he gets guys going and lined up. And he has gone out of his way to tell us he believes Ogletree is still a three-down backer. Wow. He had the five picks last year. And despite what we know to be true with his lapses in coverage, uh, Betcher says he's a three-down backer. 
just to give you some examples, uh, Devin White, 240, coming out of school this year. Devin Bush coming out of school this year, just 234. And then Telvin Smith, who's a good outside backer for the Jaguars, he's just 220. So... Mm-hmm. Linebackers are, are they're just lighter now. It, it's just kind of the way the position's going. Which means you've got to enhance your power quotient. Your, you know, your muscle per pound has to be increased dramatically. If you're going to play at that weight, John, you better be able to have leverage. Right. You better be able to shed blocks. And you better be able to use some very, very strong body parts to be able to overcome yeah. the lack of frame that you're going to have. These guards are 330, yeah, John. I think it's more speed and instincts, that you use your speed and instincts to avoid those blocks well, and not take them on and shed them. You know what I mean? That That's always the way around it. If you don't have the power to, to deal with those guys, the best way to do it is to run around them. But there aren't a ton of guys who can do that. Well, there's so much zone scheme now, it's easier to do. But if teams start running power with pulling guards to a hole, you have no choice but to take that player on. Or if a team has a fullback in the game and they're running that's lead draws, it. then that's it. That's when you could theoretically run into trouble. I hear you. 201-939-4513. Scott is down in New Mexico. He joins us next. Hey, Scott. How are you doing today? We're great, Scott. Hi. What's up? Uh, I have two points. Uh, first one... I kind of disagree with uh, how much playing time Saquon Barkley should get in this game. Uh, John, I, I listened to your conversation with uh, George Shakruri, and mm-hmm. it was fascinating as always. Thank you. And one of the one of the points that uh, George brought up, and in deference to you, Paul, I'm not going to get into analytics, but <laughs> God bless you. Uh, uh, okay, uh, but one of the points that he made, and I thought it was a valid one, is that Saquon Barkley, one of his not a shortcoming, but what he wasn't utilized in is passing down the field mm-hmm. as compared to Kamara and a couple of other backs. I think McCaffrey was the other one he named. Yep. Wouldn't, wouldn't this be the ideal time to try to test that theory because he's such a quintessential player and such an important cog in the wheel in the offense to be able to show what he can do against the Chicago in regards to well, using him or utilizing him down the field in passing situations? I, I thought that would be an ideal way to do it, and I thought he would require a little bit more playing time in order to develop something like that. Now, Scott, I was wondering what you felt yeah, about that. It's, it, 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 it's a great question. I think it's a really good question. But I also think my argument against your theory would be the Giants, if and when they decide to utilize that this year, and I'll get more into that of what we've seen in practice in a moment, okay. you don't want to show that in the preseason. You don't want okay. to put that on tape. You want to wait until the regular season, show that against Dallas in a spot where you need it, mm-hmm. and surprise them with it. Number right. two... The Giants came out last Sunday, I think it was, with their first practice after the game. The offense had their best practice of the summer, in my opinion. Saquon Barley caught three passes that would have went 20-plus yards Mm -hmm. down the field. So they're shown little glimpses of it. I'm not going to go into the pure X's and O's of it because, you know, if people are listening, we don't want to give that away. But they they ran stuff as them lined up in the slot, outside, in the mm-hmm. backfield, getting him down the field. So it's in the playbook. They're working on it, and I don't think you need to do that in a preseason game to have that ready in the regular season. There's a reason, Scott, that we was talking about everyone does everything vanilla in these preseason games. Right. That's exactly the type of stuff I'm talking Remember, about. Remember, Scott, the Giants do play the Bears during the regular season Good also. Point too. Yep. Right. And Coach Shermer has been very, very specific about saying – he does not really love the idea that they're playing three preseason games against regular season opponents, and it does limit what you want to show them. I would say That's this. True. I've been saying for months after Barkley won his Rookie of the Year 
that the one thing you will see more of in year two is him as a vertical passing threat. I've been on record on the fan. I'm going to say it here on BBK now. He will go for 1,000, 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving this year. Wow, 1,000 receiving. He will. He will. He will do 1,000, 1,000. He will be the third running back in in NFL history to do it. Roger Craig and Marshall Falk, the other two. Saquon Barkley will be the third ever running back to go 1,000, 1,000. It will happen this year. I don't think it's impossible. I think he's going to have to have at least two or three big plays in there in order to get there. Uh, He'll have more than that. He's going to have to. Because, John, we know he's got the ability. You and I have seen it. Absolutely. And, and we have also seen the fact that he is getting a lot more vertical opportunities in camp than he did last year as a rookie. And I'm, I'm just telling you, what a great way to bust up a back seven and to cause havoc in a secondary than all of a sudden to have Saquon Barkley running fresh down the field 30, 40 yards on a route. Finish up, Scott. All right. Uh, one other question, uh, I can take it off the air. Also in the conversation you had with George, they were establishing that pass coverage is a little bit more important than pass rush, which New England sort of uh, proved uh, theory-wise last year sure. uh, by winning the Super Bowl. But my question is this. Uh, the Giants have, uh, I think, four excellent corners. Is it possible that because a slot corner is so important that they might use – say, Janoris Jenkins or potentially Corey Ballantyne in a slot coverage type of position rather than Grant Haley because it looks like those four cornerbacks that the Giants have are very solid, especially with the play of uh, hopefully DeAndre Baker gets back and you have a solid core unit. And I was just wondering, uh, I've been a big proponent of putting your best four cornerbacks on the field at the same time, but especially in the slot corner position. Do you think any one of those uh, could actually play that position? And Thank I'll you, take Scott. Your off Appreciate it. Uh, I've never seen them put Janoris Jenkins in the slot, except no. for a couple times in games last year, just a couple. So no, not on him. He's a good outside corner. That's where you want him. They put Ballantyne in the slot a handful of times throughout the summer. And when I say handful, I mean literally a handful, less than five by mm-hmm. by my memory. Mm-hmm. I actually just talked to him today. It's going to go up on the Giants Huddle podcast. And he said in college he did a little stuff out of the slot. He's comfortable there. But he said right now I'm much more comfortable playing outside. So I think Grant Haley and Julian Love are your top two slot guys right now. Agreed. And quite frankly, Grant Haley's done a nice job. Now, we'll see what happens in a game against other competition. Generally, you're not going to have these you know, big towering slot guys that he's going to have mismatches against. Now, might teams decide to try to put their bigger receivers inside to create mismatches? Maybe. But I think right now, those are your two slot guys, and that's who you're going to see featured in those situations. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, John. And I think on rare occasions when offenses may take their tight end and slot their tight ends, you might see Jabril Peppers give those guys a rough time coming off the line. Agreed. Real quick, I want to just go off of Dave's first point in this call, and then I'll get to Rick and Tampa next. Dave and Cranford will be after that. We talk about big plays, Paul, and I think if there's one thing I worry about with this Giants offense this year, it's can they consistently make big plays down the field? Because, you know, it's hard to sustain long drives these in the NFL. You need some explosive plays. Sure. And I think the Giants have a chance to do it in a very Patriots way this year, where except when they had Randy Moss, the big play guys for the Patriots – where they're running backs and they're tight ends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Giants are going to do this year. I think their big play threats, which are also their mismatch threats, are Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. And those are going to be their guys that they're going to try to get isolated in one-on-one situations. Those are their mismatch players, and those are going to be their big play threats. It might not be the traditional 
get downfield from the wide receiver position type of stuff, but there is a way to do it, and NFL teams have done it before. Yeah, I think I think the better word to use might be the explosive plays. Yes, I think because, that's fair. Because mm-hmm. big plays can also be a third and eight that you convert, and I think Sterling Shepard is still going to be a big part of that. When I said big plays, I meant 20-plus yard plays. Right. Correct. That's right. what I meant. Good call. Um, and so, uh, and quite frankly, with the rebuild offensive line, why not? They, they should be giving Eli Manning the opportunity to make those plays because he will have the extra second to pick out those guys downfield as they try to run their routes. Let's go to Rick in Tampa. He wants to talk about deep threats for Eli. Rick, what's up? You know, that's like the perfect lead-in to exactly what my comments were about. Good Rick, job, Rick Good I, job. All right. I have hosted you shows before. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. What's you up, know, You know what? I, 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 all right, this is a problem. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm my concern because, you know, yes, Patriots, you know, did that. And, but, you know, Tom Brady with the line that he had, he was able to, to, uh, his blocking was there for him. Cause I have a concern that, cause Eli's always been a, a great deep ball thrower. And yep. my question originally was, is who do you think? Cause I still think they need that explosive play, but who's going to be that deep threat that's going to be able to, uh, uh, get down the field quick enough and fast enough where Eli, because I'm, I, as a Giants fan, I don't want to see this in the first couple plays of the game where Eli drops back. He looks, and for some reason, whether the offensive line uh, uh, doesn't do quite their job, one of the guys doesn't get down the field quick enough, and he turns his back and he takes the sack. I think if we all see that, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult beginning of the year. So what I, my question is then is who do you think I have a couple quick questions who do you think is going to be that deep throw and Eli can drop back I know we have the underneath we have Saquon we have we have Evan Ingram I you know I think he'll if he stays healthy he's going to be good uh, as well uh, who's going to be that guy takes out for four for four weeks four games so uh, that's uh, my that's one question, question because I really think it's concern yeah well I think Evan Ingram down the seam is one to be quite honest with you I think he's a guy. That you get down the seam. If guys are playing that, you know, cover three zone, you get him in between that corner and safety. Try to get him down that seam, make big plays there. Uh, I think in mm-hmm. terms of traditional speed from the wide receiver position, the guy that I'm most confident in in becoming that type of player is Darius Slayton. Now, as a first-year wide receiver, can you think he's going to come out and you know catch 60, 70 balls? No, I don't think that's fair mm-hmm. to the kid. But can he be a guy? Know. No, you know. But still, yeah. wide receivers generally take some time to develop. Yeah. He has yeah. that 4-3 speed, and he's, he's 6-1. So if you can get him mm-hmm. going and he figures things out, he's a guy that can mm-hmm. be a boundary guy that can stretch the field for you of all the guys at the mm-hmm. wide receiver position. He's the guy I would feel best about in that traditional 6-plus foot, 4-3, X receiver type of role. Okay. So we'll see him Friday night, and we'll get an idea of uh... – how that's going to uh, how that's going to <laughs> Don't know about I'm, that. I'm not sure he's going to be quite ready, Rick. They're being very careful with him. Right. It's a hamstring right. for a speed okay. guy, so you okay. might have you, right. you might have to All wait right. for He's been practicing. He's out there, but I think All you right. might have okay. to wait okay. until Cincinnati for him. All right. Okay. The I, and you know what? It's been years. I don't know how many years. Well, we have Saquon. I mean, yeah, he's the number 1 pick, but who well, I don't think the Giants have ever had that guy who came out of nowhere where people are talking about six weeks into the season, like, um, that guy, you believe he's a came third-round guy, look how great he's doing. Do you want to count Victor, I, Rick, I Rick, be that guy. Rick, do you want to count uh, so Victor I, Cruz? Yeah, really. Do you want to count Victor Cruz well, in that? Because he was pretty good. Well, <laughs> he was pretty darn good. 
pretty darn yeah, good, right. by the way. All right. Okay. Victor Cruz. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's, that's fine. But I think Connolly's going to be that way as well. I think he's going to be a really – the thing you said, Paul, he's smart. And I tell you, Bill Belichick built a team around smart players. And I'm telling yeah. you that, that I think he'll overcome his size with that and be just like a Lee or a uh, Luke – over in Carolina. And real quick, because, Paul, I know we've talked about X-Men before. I don't, I don't remember seeing him on the first game. I, I, maybe I wasn't looking hard enough. No, he was quiet. We to see we'll see him this game uh, uh, as well. And also, Sean O'Hara did a, a – uh, I think it was on ESPN or NFL last night, give, give, uh, the, went through the Giants' schedule and came up with them in 10-6, and six, which would seem pretty good. But he had us losing to the Cowboys in the first week and then – uh, winning in the second week as uh, a second time. I think it's total opposite. I think we're going to catch the Cowboys with maybe not even Elliott back yet or possibly back at their probably weakest at the first game. So I think it's very important for us to win that first game against them. But the schedule, the way he went through 10-6 and six, I, or possibly 11-5, and five, I think is very reasonable. And I, and I just hope that Eli gets that time. And we're not talking about after the first game of him fall, taking a sack and uh, throwing off the, the cutoff, man, and uh, the check route, and we'll be, you know, we know what's coming after that. So Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the call, and I think Paul and I both think that you can be more confident the Giants' offensive line will protect the quarterback a lot better than they had the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, the interesting thought about the Dallas situation is, and you've heard me say this for years on the show, so I cannot back off of it now and give you a two-phase situation. When a defense has been rebuilt – it usually takes them a month to get themselves together, especially with young cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, so and this is uh, we have, and young pass rushers. This is something we've talked about all so offseason. Under normal circumstances, I would say to you, uh, going into Dallas opening night or opening day, it's a four o'clock game. Uh, that's a to me that would be a very agita-filled situation because you just don't know how many mistakes the young defensive players are going to make. If they can win that game, Paul. That'd be a great sign, though, for the rest. It would of the be year. phenomenal. Oof, now, here's man. the one caveat: without Elliott there, I truly believe Dallas is not nearly the Godzilla that they would be with him there. Oh yeah, he makes a it huge is difference. a huge blow to them. Absolutely. Is it enough to overcome the natural progression of learning? And the natural mistakes and communication that not only the Giants' young defensive rookies will have, but also some of the new veterans who are going to be playing on that defense as well. Mm -hmm. The Elliott thing, excuse me, I'm sorry. The Elliott thing may, may balance that out, and maybe it turns out to be okay. But, you know, if Elliott's back and he's playing and he's in good shape and he gives Dallas what they want, that is a very difficult game for the Giants to win. 201-939-4513. Dave in Cranford has waited patiently. Dave, what's up? You guys are the best, man. I just uh, I was thinking about this. Like Paul, it's like sitting there talking to a guy with um like a gold jacket. You've been around for you've done oh my great goodness. for a long time. Well, but, you know, that's but, awfully kind of you. I I think John would like to fit me with a jacket, one that's got the arms yeah. behind the back. <laughs> I'm not done yet because as far as advancement and I, and I, I say it, you know, I'm making sure that Dombrowski, you know, is listening, but at the end of the day, like John, I don't know. I think I, I want to go back to when you had the birth of your, 
your your child, uh, you, your interviews, your questions, the way you cover the team, the things you talk about, it's unbelievable. So, so Paul, he's he's running up your back, so you better keep going. That's hey, my only hey, point. Hey, hey, Dave, do me a favor. When we're done, we're going to put you on hold and just tell our producer where to write the check and send it to, okay? <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave knows where it. I'm from, so he can, he can figure that out. Thanks, but, man. Um, now, you, you guys hit a bunch of things. I, I, there's so many things. I, I don't know where to start with some of it, but I, I will go to Dallas because I think, um, a lot of people are going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, and, and that's an easy one. And, and we're sitting here talking about Saquon and whether he's going to play or not, you know, but he's getting a ton of reps in, in practice and working with the offensive line. You know, Ezekiel is hanging out on the beach someplace. So so that that's just an interesting Probably. dynamic. I think the bigger person to talk about for Dallas that no one is talking about, and you can't get any information, Zach Martin is the more. Is the no well? You could go there too. That's well, a great point. He's got a, he's got an injury DeMar- too. It's Demarcus Lawrence. Mm, it's a good point too. So, yep. So understand the giant. The the Cowboys franchised him. Then they ultimately signed him to the big contract. But guess what? They didn't sign him to that big contract till April. Yep. And then he had and, to have shoulder surgery. He wouldn't do the soldier surgery until he got the contract. Correct. Go back and look at that that injury. The, the way that the experts talk about it is it's a four- to six-month recovery. Yep. Four months mm-hmm. puts him at the beginning of the season. Six months puts him into October, November. And, and go talk to other players. The thing about off-seasons is this. When you're coming back from an injury, you, the, the thing you miss isn't that you can't rehab the injury. You can rehab the injury. That's fine. But what you miss is that everybody else you're playing against is getting stronger and better and quicker and faster. Well, Dave, so, Dave, Dave, real quick, just, just just FYI, he had shoulder surgery on April 8th. So the start of the season will be the five-month mark for him on that. It'll be five months okay. w- in week one. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Good good point, John. Keep me, keep me honest. So you're absolutely right. My point is they also have Byron Jones, same situation. Hip and injury, then, yep. And then Paul, I think it's something that you know makes, would make you laugh a little bit, Paul. And that is that we all can sit there and debate Dak Prescott and what he is and what he's not. I think the thing about saying about Dak, and I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. That's not fair. But he's not, he's not an elite quarterback. Carson Wentz is, and when they came up to, which was drafted in the same year, the Eagles quickly signed him. Really, no questions. Boom, done. Dallas is telling you right now exactly what they think about Dak. Now. I understand they've got a whole lot of other issues, and they do from a salary cap perspective because they paid their offensive line. They, you know. So my point is is that I, I actually think that that first game, I think we have a real shot to go in there, and, and because I think this season to me comes down to I want to be 4-2 and two in the division. I want to split you have to be. with the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I want to beat Washington twice. I want to be 4-2. and two. And I think that this team, I'll just leave you with this last one thought, and that is the things that have gotten better this year for the Giants, and Paul, you said this many times, they are a better roster, they're a deeper roster, and the, and the things that they've gotten better are complementary pieces to other parts of the team. So the secondary is better, and that's going to that's gonna impact the pass rush and the flexibility of the defense. The line is better. That's going to impact the quarterback, the receivers, and the running back. That's why you look at this season and say, hey, we don't have the depth. We can't sustain a whole lot of injuries. we got a bunch of young players that need to step up. Those are all honest. Those are all real. But as far as the, the quality of the team and, and where the roster is, it's, 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 it's light years ahead of last year because of those, because you're impacting 
other players. Eli's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Barkley's going to be better. Ingram's going to be better. The line's going to be better. Lorenzo Carter's going to be better. I mean, you got a lot of other places because of the roster. I know See, you guys thank know you, all that. You watch it, and uh, I love hearing from you. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff as always. Dave, your last, Excellent call. your last statement is actually even understated because outside of the quarterback, the one position that impacts more people down the line than any other besides the quarterback is offensive line. Bingo. Bingo. And so the Giants' dramatic improvement on the offensive line helps the running game, helps the passing game, helps the defense because now you can control the ball and the tempo and run a four-minute offense when you need to. You can run a power running game when you need to, and you can start dictating the terms of what's going to happen on game day. All right? You can camouflage potentially weaknesses on your defense if your offensive line allows you to control the course of events. That's why, outside of QB, the O-line has more impact on, on the game than any other position when you consider the factors that it touches with its, its spiderweb type of, of, uh, of effect. And so I think, I think you're right, but I think you understated it. The Giants' offensive line, the improvement that they have gone under over the last year, immeasurable. This, this, this team's going to be a lot better than people think. And I think the point you made about the Cowboys is a good one. I think it's less Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, than it is Demarcus Lawrence, who has not practiced, is coming back from the shoulder injury. Even if he's back, how good is he going to be? Zach Martin hasn't practiced all summer, I don't think, for them. I think he has a hip, maybe, or a shoulder, or something like that. Good look look that we, up. Look at what Zach Martin has. He has something, too. Out. Byron Jones had hip surgery in the offseason. He hasn't practiced yet. Mark Cooper has missed the last few practices with a heel injury. You know, if that's a plantar fasciitis thing, you know how those things can linger. So there's just a lot of, a lot of injuries right now for the Cowboys <laughs> that could impact their team in that first week. Depend- now, again, maybe they're just being cautious with these guys and they'll be back and they'll be okay. I don't know. I'm not down there. I'm not following it that closely. Robert Quinn, by the way, he's suspended the first three games of the year too. Yeah. They're other pass rushers. So they have a lot of really good players. Tyron Crawford's another one. He's on pup for them. He hasn't done anything yet. So they have a lot of guys that are really important players and that have not practiced and done anything. Amari Cooper's got a heel? Yep, he's got a heel. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does Zach Bourne have? That's, he's the only guy I'm I wasn't looking, sure of the looking, body part. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, Sean Lee's got a knee again. Yeah, he, he, honestly, he barely played for them in the last Martin's year. Martin's got a knee. He's got a knee also. So Martin's got go. a knee. A lot of I guys. Mean, a lot of guys. So there's no question whether it's health or holdouts. The the Cowboys, should they go into that game with less than a full deck? Yeah. I absolutely could see the Giants go in there and, and, and taking that game from them. But uh, if they've got the full deck, just the law of averages based on the amount of changes that the Giants have made to their starting lineup, especially on defense, you'd have to believe they'd be the natural underdog. That's, that's, and and I, I'm not afraid to say that. That's just football logic. 201-939-4513. Jeff in Rhode Island. He's up next. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. How you doing this afternoon? We're great, Hi. Jeff. What's up with you, pal? Good. That's good. I, uh, Johnny, when I, I called you last week, I told you that uh, I would be uh, primarily focusing on the defense and especially on the uh, any kind of uh, pressure applied to the quarterback. I saw nothing of that 
at all from anybody. I agree. The, and, the, the and pass rush left something to be desired. I think that's a fair that was, point. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I thought they stunk the joint out. And I'll, <laughs> say, the same thing. I'll say the same thing about the running game. And I know Paul <clears throat> was so very high on uh, Perkins, Ed, you know, and uh, he, you know, he's playing himself off the team. Bad night. You know, but but one I mean, point just, to make but, one oh, one point you got you got to admit one thing though, and I'm not going to tell you that the the pass rush was anywhere near what I wanted it to be or what we uh, need to see. But I will terrible. add this. I will add this. Okay, uh, they did have Ogletree out. Not that that makes a big deal because he's not a pass no. rusher, but he does control that defensive front. And they ran the most vanilla of schemes, and. If you know one thing about this Giants defense, because they don't necessarily have a stud blockbuster pass rusher, again, we're discounting Golden because until he proves he can do it again, we can't count on him as being a double-digit sack guy. But here's the point. I think we both agree, John. The Giants are going to have to do a lot of their pass rush by committee with schematics. Yeah, eventually, though, someone's going to have to win one-on-one. It's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen, but a lot of it is going to be set up by schematics, and they're not going to do those schematics during the preseason. They're just not. That's correct. Yeah, well, you know, schematics, schematics, okay? I didn't see anybody out there winning any one-on-ones, okay? We we drafted these guys because of their potential, because they have alleged, uh, you know, ability to do things. Now, get the hell out there and do it. Show me something. I don't don't care about the scheme. When you one-on-one and get to the quarterback. I mean, come on. I have not heard you this passionate in quite a while, Jeff. I like it. You're fired up. Johnny, you know, it's bothering me. And if this continues, to me, I'm telling you right now, this whole upcoming season depends on how well the Giants' defense executes or doesn't execute. No, okay, I, I think it's I fair. Think the, I think the offense will be okay, but if, they, if it's like last year and the defense can't stop anybody, forget it. You're not even going to win five games. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff's usually calm, collected. He was fired up there, Paul. Well, he's targeting the potential Achilles heels of the team, which, which, which have, is understandable. Which and we have, by the way, discussed these things ad infinitum over yeah. the last few months. Sure. Because as many things as the Giants have improved, they still have some spots that are bruised, that are not up to spec, and you'd like to feel a lot better about those things. Mm-hmm. The running game, of course, with Barkley is a big different story than what we saw the other night. But you'd like to see more push from the offensive line because I didn't think there was any room for any of those backs the other night at all. Well, they average two yards a carry, so yeah, I agree. There was no room. No, I mean I don't know that that Saquon would have done much with those runs either. So that is a concern, and lack of pass rush is a concern. Those are the two Achilles, you know, right now. Will the line, which we think is much improved in pass protection, I'm not that concerned about the run blocking. Be, I think it's going to come. Be as good as they have to be, run blocking. I think they will, but until we see it, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And and the. I've always said all along, number one was the pass rush. Pass rush is a mystery to me right now. All right, 201-939-4513. Richard in New Rochelle is up next. Hey, Richard. How you doing, guys? I just wanted to tell you I really enjoy your program. Thank you. Been a, been a Giants fan uh, for 60 years, and I'm close, closing in on 80. But I have a very interesting question. Sure. Um, suppose Daniel Jones was on Oklahoma and Murray was on Duke. 
Who do you think would be the number one pick in the draft? <laughs> Look, I mean, Kyler Murray's skill set is off the charts. I, th- I think the better question is that if Jones was on Ohio State and Haskins was on Duke, mm-hmm. how would that order change? Based That's on, another good question. Right. Different I, system, John. Correct. And, and look, and here's the thing with Daniel Jones. We've said this a million times. Not one player that Daniel Jones ever played with at Duke got drafted. Not one. And by the way, Haskins, five starting offensive linemen last year. What, three were drafted and two came into camps as free agents. Okay, what does that tell you? No, I agree 100%. But thank you very much. I enjoy your program, and I'll continue to listen. Thank you so much. Very simple. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. Can I uh, add something to the previous call, John? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have the snap count for the Jets game? I can bring it up. Would you kindly do that for me? What's your question? Well, it's not so much a question. I want to uh, alert Jeff to what he should be looking at in the Bears game when we're talking about the lack of a pass rush. Whose play count are you looking for? Well, O'Shane Zimenez was in for over two dozen snaps by my recollection. He played 26 plays. That's correct. He had one of the higher play percentages for defensive players. And you know what? He had one assisted tackle. It's quiet. That's why he was quiet. Now... Why? We discussed this yesterday with David Deal on the MSG show. And by the way, just real quick, Lorenzo Carter, just 13 snaps. Marcus Golden, just 13 snaps. So those are the other two big pass rushers you're right. looking for. And, and they had half the snaps that Zimenez had. And Dexter Lawrence, by the way, just played six. Correct. He, played, he tied Tomlinson for the fewest snaps on defense with Correct. six. Correct. Now, does that mean that Carter and or Golden you know, can be excused for not having a big defensive play inside of their snaps. It doesn't excuse that. But they played very, very limited roles in that Jets game. Here's my point. I have put a lot of expectations on Zimenez. And I'm not backing down from them because I think he's a very smart young man. I think he's very football savvy. I think he has a tremendous speed rush skill set. And I think he's got a lot of tools and he has been coached well enough to understand that there are multiple moves that he can use to get to the quarterback. He's not a one-trick pony. But here's my problem, John. I said it last night on the show. David Deal agreed. Being an offensive lineman, he understands this. Zimenez is short on two things right now. He's light in the butt, for one. He does not have the power quotient Mm -hmm. for his frame. Mm -hmm. So when he gets locked up with a big offensive lineman, He's going to lose that battle of strength. And, Paul, this is what we saw when he was going one-on-one at the Senior Bowl. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he needs to improve his power quotient as rapidly as possible. And that may not be something he can do right away in his rookie season. It may take him a full year. Mm -hmm. What is the second thing that he's missing? And it's important because if you don't have number one, you better have number two. The second one is you must explode off the line with leverage and get into get low and inside that offensive lineman or that tight end or that running back, whoever's trying to block you. You have to get inside hands on him. Explode into him at the snap with fire. Get inside and low so that you can use leverage because that's the way you can still beat that block. Okay, without having the power quotient. I think he's pretty compact when he rushes. I don't think he gets too high, do you? The other night? He got high in the game. Is it in practice? He doesn't. In practice, he stays low. He's been terrific during training camp. Right. But the other night against the Jets, interesting. he did not show me that explosion off the line and getting proper leverage technique against the Jets players. 
I need to see that this week against the Bears okay. if I'm going to maintain this high expectation level for O'Shane Zimenez, or certainly in the next three preseason games. Show me some more of that, because X-Man, the Giants need you. Final call of the show. I hope Charlie takes a lesson from Richard's brevity. Is Charlie in <laughs> Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Are you kidding? Hey, Charlie! Hey, look, I got to say something. The caller, I don't know, was, I don't know, a few callers back, he said that uh, Wentz was a elite quarterback. Until a quarterback is elite can stay on the field, then he becomes elite. No, you know, this Charlie, Charlie you, you made a very good point. The one thing when you think about Carson Wentz is can he survive a season, and that is an absolutely fair question at this point in his career. Absolutely fair. And Eli's elite because he can stay on the field. And he and he's also won two Super Bowls and an MVP in both. But anyway, Eli's gonna have an he's gonna have an incredible year. I can see it building, I can see it in in his eyes, I can see it in his heart. This guy is going to perform this year. And if they give him time that this offensive line seems like it will compared to the other offensive lines, you're gonna see a guy you're not even going to hear Daniel Jones' name for the first eight weeks because we're going to be winning games. And we are going down to Dallas and, and uh, beat him up because even if uh, Zeke comes back, he's probably going to come back like the week before the start of the season, and he's going to be out of shape, and he's not going to be himself. And Lawrence and those guys, same thing. They're going to be dealing with stuff. They might come back, but they got to come back a little bit too late for that first week. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I see us. T- I see us working in Dallas. And the other thing about, I just want to ask you about Sam Beal. Yeah, real quick. Now it, I, I know Beal is injured and all that, but he is actually more of an outside guy, right? Yes. yes. And he is an inside guy. Correct. Okay. So he's got he's still got some time. If he can rest this week and he can play the Bengals game and the Patriots game, that he can still be a factor in our defense. Agreed. Thank you, Charlie. Okay, guys. If Thanks, not Charlie. Be brief, I'll keep you brief. You ready to get a tweet in real quick? Go ahead. Real it's fast. It's time for tweets. Let's Giants. All right, I promise you I get a tweet in. This guy sent it in earlier today. Rob Giants at NY Football Jesus. I'd love to hear you guys talk about the comparison between what Dave Gettleman's doing here and what John Dorsey's doing in Cleveland. Pros and cons of both. What do you prefer? Um, are they building in the same way? He saw how Dorsey took some chances in Kansas City. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, for example. And just comparing how they're going about the business. The way I answered him online, Paul, yes. I went more this direction. When Dorsey took over Cleveland, he had a, the GMs before him had already done the hard work of going through the teardown and the compilation of draft picks. So when he got there, he was ready to just plow forward right away, full speed ahead. Correct. So he is maybe a year or two ahead of where Dave Gettleman is in the Giants building process as compared to where he is with the Browns. And that's why I think you see the two guys operating a little bit differently. Might one take some more risks on players than the other? I think that might be a fair point in terms of Mm -hmm. culture and things like that. But... I just think that Dorsey right now and the Browns are in a different position than the Giants were in terms of the pace of their rebuild when you compare the two teams and how the GMs have gone about their business. I don't think there's any doubt about that, John, because Gettleman had to come in and scrape all the old paint off the walls from scratch. And the, the, and the GMs before Dorsey and Cleveland had already done that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I don't, I don't think there's any comparison because that's a huge... When you look at a GM's plan, if he comes in and says either it's a three-step process or a five-step process, usually the first one is scrape the old paint off the walls. That's a big part of the whole process. And it takes time. You can't do it all at once. And so 
Yeah, Doors, Dorsey was able to avoid step one. Thank you, Paulie Dots. Good to see you, John. And um, are you with me tomorrow? We are. All right, and we'll do a full preview of the game against the Bears. I tried to stay away from the game a little bit today, do some more general stuff. I think we succeeded at that. Make sure you check it out. I want to do a quick promotion of the Giants Huddle podcast as well. Yep. Right now, George Shahruri, who is the analytics guy for Pro Football Focus, that is up there. My one-on-one with Corey Ballantyne will be going up there shortly. But an 11-minute interview with him, you hear part of it on the radio on Friday night, but it's a real good spot. You learn a lot about the kid and, and how he plays the cornerback position. And by the way, let's plug the radio broadcast. You can hear it on Friday night, the pregame show on Sports Radio 66 WFAN, only on the AM dial, 660 AM, begins at 635, 735 kickoff. We have somebody doing play-by-play. I don't quite remember who. Um, that would be Paul Dottino. And we'll have Sean O'Hara in the chair next to him, and we'll have a grand old time. Make sure you check it out. MSG tonight. Uh, Giants training camp live returns your way at 630, so check it out. Who's and, on the uh, show tonight, Paul? Do you know? I believe Coach Shermer. Yes. Oh, is it Shermer tonight? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I don't do the show. That's why I'm asking no, you. Don't look well, at me. No, I mean, I, I hope it's <laughs> nice because, after all, he is the uh, premier spokesperson for the team. Well, yeah, you would think. Thank next, you, Paul. Next to the GM. Bye. So make sure you check all that out. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Adios.